It's a daily talk show, everyone. Episode 70. Congrats, Josh. Thanks, mate. I was going to press record on the... Uh, on the little uh, box there, but I'm already yeah. You're a bit yet. frazzled. We've we, we, you've you've pulled out. You've gone to the edges of your brain in terms of technology wise, and you've managed to do, you pull pull this off, mate. Well, ho- hopefully, if we're actually recording anything. <laughs> but this so episode seventy, we wanted to do something uh, special, and we thought, what better way than get someone on the show who has been instrumental in what we talk about, or if you ask her, we don't fucking mention it at all. <laughs> and and, um, uh, and a, a constant uh, uh, emailer and thought provoker, uh, it's Michelle, who you would, uh, you would have heard us mention many times on the podcast. Michelle, how are you going? Uh, you talk about being frazzled? It's nearly midnight. I'm almost headbutting the microphone and falling asleep. <laughs> So, Michelle, you're our third guest to our podcast, 70 Episodes Deep. Um, Firstly, I think we should... Can you paint the picture of how you've landed on our podcast? Because there's been a few events. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say, paint the picture, paint the picture. Well, Well, you can draw um, it. You can draw it with a pencil. You don't have to paint, all right? We're just... Yeah, go for it. How do you you see it? How's, How's this all played out? And go back from the... Go back from the the start. Where did you... Childbirth. um, Exactly. From the very beginning. (laughs) Well, it all started with this. (laughs) You've got the... So, we've got video at the moment and Michelle is showing the (laughs) O-Bike t-shirt, which Tommy... How many did you get made? Oh, I made about 80. But I think that will come up in Michelle's story, in Michelle's painting. So, so you've got an O-Bike, you've got an O-Bike t-shirt. Tell us uh, what happened. What was the first, so you obviously heard about Tommy before you heard about me. It just so happens that I'm on Tommy's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Let let Michelle do the painting. Well, I was browsing the internet as as you do and um, up came Tommy's video with the O-Bikes and um, I thought what he was intending to do with the cause um, clean up Australia and I thought that that kind of thing was worth supporting so um, I said yay I'm up for a t-shirt uh, next thing I know we've only got one left it's large I think I don't care send it over <laughs> we'll see if it fits <laughs> and, and so um, you, you where are you right now I'm in a, a villi- I'm in a, a thousand year old village called Horsted Canes Horse, say, the, say it again, Horsted Canes. Horsted Canes. Horsted Canes, yeah. oh, I nailed it. And I, because I say you're, you're just <clears> outside <throat> of London, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I say, but you're not. Where are you? <clears throat> well, yeah, I, I am sort of outside London, but I'm, I'm about uh, 20, 20 kilometres-ish north of um, a place called Brighton. Yes. Okay, yeah, great. I grew up in Brighton, just not, <laughs> not, your not, Brighton. The, one, not the one in the UK. <laughs> I remember going to England and saying that I couldn't believe England had stolen all of our suburb names. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brighton's right. So, is it coastal then, or what, like, how, like, what's the what's the vibe? It's south coastal, um, but this village isn't very large. Um, it's it started about a thousand ish years ago. It's in the Doomsday Book, with mm. about seventeen villages, and it's expanded now to about one and a half thousand. Yeah, um, we've got three pubs and one corner shop. <laughs> um, do these pubs have the really low door frames when you walk in? Because I nearly hit my head on ten different pubs doorways. One of them does because uh, it, it it's been standing for a long time, 
Um, the other one is a well, one of the others is a, actually a club, so that's a relatively new sort of working man's club, relatively speaking. And the the last one is another pub, but it burned down, so that's a, a fresh building. Uh, that's yeah. uh, that, that's right. So you're not going to so bang your head on anything. Have, have you grown up there your whole life? No, 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 no. Okay, so <laughs> tell us. So, so how did how did you end up? In, I already forgotten the bloody the name. Can you say it one more time? I'm going to write it down. Horsted canes. Horsted canes. <laughs> horsted canes. It's too like yeah. I understand the word canes. What does horsted actually mean? Horsted, like um, a horse. Is that like horse a stead? Horse no, or no? It, it's it's all linked with France and um, uh-huh. yeah, the, the the Crusades and all the rest of that jazz. And uh, it was uh, oh boy, the the <laughs> the history is complex. Yeah. And yeah, because there's a French link with land being given to um, the Duke de de Ostead. Um, there's a French pronunciation. It gets a bit mixed up, but it, eventually it's worked out and merged into Horsted Canes. Cane being um, a raised area of ground, basically, yeah. as far as I understand it. It was and actually explained you... to me by a taxi driver. <laughs> Yeah, and how how did you yeah how did you get to there? Because that's what I always wonder. Like, is it would you consider it a country town? Like, is it sort of in Australia would call it a country town, but it's like a small regional area, not not that big of a population. Yeah, pretty much. And because the whole of the United Kingdom is a lot smaller, relatively. I mean, from from the worst points, Lands End to John O'Groats is seven hundred and fifty ish miles. Call it a thousand k's ish mm-hmm. thereabouts. You can do the maths, but that'll give you a rough idea of just how how compact Britain is. Mm. So yeah, we, we are like you say a country, um, uh, whatever it was. But you the haven't got to town, travel yeah. a few. Mi- that's it. Yeah. You haven't got to travel a few miles, and you're somewhere else already. Yeah, sure. So you're in Horsted Canes. Search on YouTube. Come across my Obark video. And then you buy one. Yep. I send it over. And I wasn't ever going to be sending <laughs> any of these T-shirts overseas. So I turned that off. But Michelle um, sent me an email and said, is there any left? And I said, the last one, it's large. You can have it if you want. So I ended up sending it over to you. And um, and then... You stay connected on, on YouTube. And then so, Michelle, the first episode you heard of the Daily Talk Show, would that have been straight after Tommy's first video about it or...? No, I think I jumped in at about episode 20-ish. Cause, yeah. Um, yeah, I started watching the videos. Um, yeah. Then I, because, uh, yeah, oh boy. <laughs> Some incredible videos. I mean, I, I hardly ever watch any broadcast TV. Um, pretty much everything is social media that, that I get input from. Because uh, pretty much, I, I <laughs> broadcast TV is just blech. But yeah. social media, yeah, <laughs> you, you you get some. I mean, I, I forwarded a link of one article about a BBC documentary crew who went somewhere to film something, and it turns out that it, it's fake. <laughs> the local people, um, uh, it was the tribes, right? Yeah, yeah, it was the tribes. Yeah, yeah, and, so and funny. whenever the tribes, they actually live in a, in in a, in a town, and whenever they get the the the, the nod that a documentary crew is coming to film them, they they're out in these <laughs> in these huts and making believe, and because they know they're going to get paid. That's so funny, and it's that's quite common in like um, touristy areas too, where they it's like the 
you know, normally people would be walking around in like Coca-Cola t-shirts and stuff like that. But then when the tourist bus arrives, they put on their traditional masks and make a bit of coin out of it, right? Oh, that's great. Um, exactly. So, and if yeah, it wasn't so, for, for your videos, I wouldn't have learned anything about a rat whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> so you watch it. This is my YouTube channel you're talking about. Yep. So you, you, you went down a rabbit hole there. And, oh, um, yeah. And what a rabbit hole. One question. <laughs> Mankini and thongs. Hashtag, what were you thinking? <laughs> She's talking about the video. Uh, that's the when I'm talking to my wife about being a stripper. Is yep. that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So they're, they're not my glory days. Uh, or they might be my glory days. Um, but yes, that was when I was 19 and I was a stripper. So I'm, fasc- so I'm fascinated. I'm going to come back to it again with this... Horsted Cane's lifestyle. Can you give me, give me a sense? Like I, I sort of like the idea. I sort of romanticize what it would be like. Sort of cold, and you're inside, and you you know you feel creative all the time, and you can go and get a a pie and some fucking what are those like smashed peas or whatever you eat, and you're just <laughs> like it's all. It, I have a, a really sort of my own picture of it, but can you? Paint the picture of how you ended up there and what sort of a, you know, what sort of a lifestyle is it? Well, I came here, I basically followed jobs. I mean, I was born in South Wales and lived there for the first 20 years. Went up to Sheffield and started a degree there, lived there for about six years. Then um, ended up in Folkestone, which is on the south coast, southeast coast. But from there, um, IT work, which is my career, was short on the ground. So I did all sorts, including uh, truck driving, um, egg delivery, and <laughs> you, you, you name it. I, I, whatever I could to earn a living. And then um, an opening in, in IT came. Um, and I was facing an epic choice. Yeah. And the, the truck driving company that I was working for basically said, okay, uh, we'll send you up your next level if you work for us for a couple of years. And then um, this other IT job came up in Derby. And uh, so, um, uh, I, yeah, okay, I'll go to Derby, which is in the Midlands. Long story short, I've been all over the UK and some of Europe as well for a few years doing IT work. And that's how I ended up here because of... Uh, we've got uh, Haywards Heath, which is the, the next town, the nearest town here. And I wound up there for work and um, had to search for a house, which was at the height of the housing bubble. And this was pretty much all I could afford at the time. Amazing. Mm. So, because I guess the um, perception I had it was that you would have been dry, like that everyone sort of drives in far away to London or these big towns. But by the sounds of it, there's lots of sort of satellite cities ev- everywhere, is there? Yeah, London is the big smoke. Um, there are a few other um, large towns, uh, Birmingham, Leeds, and there's others all over the place of various sizes. Uh, well, cities, really. Um, mm-hmm. You wind up, a village will grow into a town, and I'm, I'm cutting a very long story short here, and then a town will can put forward to become a city. And, and then it, it goes through a process of deciding whether it can be granted city status. Um, so it, it's all a bit, um, it's, everything's evolved pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, 
and so the the um, the IT type stuff that you're talking about. Yeah, what is IT? Cause yeah, so because I have IT no can, idea what IT. Well, is. IT can be everything, right? Like that's what's really funny about it. It could be anywhere from sort of networking to you know working on sites, looking after people's computer. What sort of IT do you do? Well, it's it's gone through the whole thing. Uh, what we call first line, which is help yeah. desk support. Somebody rings up. You do what you can to to sort out their issue over the phone. Um, then I develop to second line, which is you visit the desk and sort the issue out. And um, it goes up to third line, which is where you're looking after servers, networks, virtual environments, and pretty much that's what I'm doing now. And uh, okay. it's been so a career. You've got a YouTube channel because I know you went through mine. I had a quick look through yours. And um, you've got – how many videos have you put on your YouTube channel? I've actually taken off more than I've got on. <laughs> and how many have you got on? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to have a look. I, I don't hundreds, actually keep, right? Uh, somewhere under 1,000. No, I don't know. Let's, have a, let's have a quick look. Uh, YouTube, where where's the heck is my stats? Because um, you've been channel. doing it for years. You've been on for... It's been about 10 years. Okay. Because that's what and, I love about even your website, Michelle, is just it's got this, um, you know, the the thing that it seems like, uh, well, I don't know the best way to describe it, but, but I guess the web is sort of homogenized in the sense that like everything sort of starts to look the same and it's sort of like every, you know, there's only certain ways you can do it, buttons and shit like that. What I like about your site is it reminds me of like what what it was like when I was getting into the website. Like you haven't gone crazy into like updating the design to look or any sort of like web 2.0-y or anything like that. Like I love that it looks like like it was made, like that you fucking set it up, you know, <laughs> 15 years ago. Is that a compliment or a... Uh, <laughs> I fucking love... Uh, that's I, exactly I what I was it. thinking. I know. I love I love that it's it, it has that... Um, like there's no sense that you've got like, like the guest book, for instance. You've got a guest book. I don't know the last time I've seen a site that has a guest book because everyone goes like they all have you know you have blogs now and people put comments and all that sort of thing. <laughs> Tell us the journey on the the website. And I was clicking on the site the other day and I clicked on a thing and it was like logging into your computer via FTP or something. I was like, I I left yeah. it for a few seconds. I was like, ah. Oh, I probably should get out of it. Yeah, that's but dead. That, that, that's, been, that's been dead. So, yeah. was so that was a, the was first it, question. Was it a compliment? 1,231. Wow, 1,231 videos on a YouTube channel. Wow. So she's deleted <laughs> a over 1,000 videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it all started so, over 20 years ago. Yeah. And yeah, uh, awesome. when the internet started to come in, I was in, well, what was I? Late 20s, I think. And... Um, back when we had uh, dial-up modems of 30-odd K. So I, I started designing websites, which is the first thing, an AOL account. You could have five accounts, and each account could have, like, two meg. Yeah. So you had to design your websites to be fast-loading, and uh, you had to bring down your graphics, and uh, that that kind of thing is a philosophy that's always stuck when I'm designing websites. And some of those websites are actually designed by friends of mine. I don't actually do the design work. That's one thing I'm no good at. But yeah. coding, I can do. So I'll code that they'll they'll give me the artwork and I'll code it all up. And um, 
and generate the site itself. So it doesn't fast feel loading. like a template. It doesn't feel like a template at all, right? It feels like something that's been, and that's probably that handcrafted that you're talking about. You're doing the coding. You got people doing the designing. I think that really is a lot rarer now. People doing that on their personal sites, right? Um, yeah. If, if if you wanted to get your message out there back then. Um, you, you had to design websites because that was it. That was how you got your message out. And um, I was part of a support group, and uh, we, that that was in the in the nineties. That was that was how we got the support out. And then things changed as more bandwidth became available. People were doing uh, blogs. Then it progressed up to uh, audio logs, audio blogs, podcasts, effectively the forerunner of. And then um, YouTube started up and. Uh, and we are where we are now, and potentially the collapse of social media. <laughs> <clears throat> Michelle, bringing you back to our podcast, um, what do you what do you like about it, or what don't you like about it? <laughs> you might hate listen. I don't know. I haven't asked. Um, what I like, there's a number of uh, things that I follow, and it's because it, it gives me insights into parts of the world that I'll never, never, likely never go to. Well, we I've never knew about horsed canes before today, so <laughs> likewise. Yeah, you, you learn stuff, and which I don't typically learn from um, from broadcast TV. By learning from other people, I learn things. Like I've learned stuff about your area. Your childhood, the various things that have gone down there, um, <laughs> those spiders. I mean, that's one reason you'll never find me in Australia. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's just I, I also find that things have, you know, I, I'm learning what you, you two have grown up in the Internet age. You, you've never really known that type of time when the internet wasn't around and the kind of information you've got now is at your fingertips. And, and seeing, hearing how you two are developing and bouncing off each other, and it's, it's just interesting to me to, to learn you, your perspective and hear how you go through life. Do you, do you have a, a positive outlook with everything with social media? Because you've seen before, you've been able to see, I guess, when it was real utilitarian thing which was like we need to you know get support or do or whatever it is so you sort of build something for it what is the what is your view of so you know you mentioned briefly there about sort of the collapse social media or whatever it is but what is your actual take on it do you think it's as bad as what we are sort of communicating um i think for it to survive and go forward it's going to have to decentralize I've now um, abandoned YouTube. The only thing that's on YouTube now um, in the last couple of months is Minecraft videos. I've switched over to Vimeo and I'm, I'm, I'm putting the money I'm paying for my Vimeo account because YouTube has gone utterly... It, it's, I, I had a video up, Cooking on Meth, I called it. And it was um, cooking on. Were, were you cooking on meth? <laughs> I was cooking on methylated spirits. Okay. Using a camping burner, and um, it's straightforward. You can you can buy the, all the kits over the counter, and uh, it got struck down. So I thought, okay, I'll I'll put the appeal in, and the appeal failed. 
Yeah. And the, the more I read, the more people are having more videos um, cut for uh, and and the YouTube themselves are under more pressure, more and more pressure to make the platform child safe, mm. and they can't do that. It's you can't make the one platform do everything. I mean, we've got one politician now who's pressuring social media to um, to to stop children from under thirteen from using the services. That they, they, they can't do that. Yeah, I mean, all, all all they've got to do is present a checkbox. Are you over thirteen, kid? The, yeah, the child exactly. ticks it, and you know, it's it's people, politicians, the older generation of politicians seem to be looking for the technology companies to solve what is a, a parenting problem, mm. or rather, social problem more than just parenting, because we've got social issues that are all mixed in with this. Like, um, for example, we've got head teachers who have for years been threatening uh, parents who let their children play um, plus 18, 18 rated games. Mm -hmm. And the parents themselves are under stress because they've got to work so hard in order to just keep a roof over their heads. Yeah. And it's putting pressure on them as a parent. So it's not it's a very complex, stretched issue. It's not, you know, you can't just blame the parent when the social environment is actually needs working on to give people enough time. It's so what do you what do you think the answer is then? What's the do you think that people, you know, under the age kids under the age of 13 or even at 13, should they be on these platforms? Um, the platforms themselves are probably going to be in an impossible position. The pressure that's going to be put on them to be child-friendly is just going to be an impossible position to, to fulfill. It's possibly going to get to the point where you're going to actually have to provide a credit card number um, in order to be allowed through to certain areas. Things are, the, the shutters are going to come, start to come down. In the meantime, um, I'm finding that the only way that I can get a voice which isn't going to be censored by a bot is to have my own systems or to pay for them. So the blogs that I run, the website that I run, um, everything that I run with the exception of video, because I can't afford it, is done on hosting that I pay for. Yeah. And even then I'm paying for the video on Vimeo. Well, the thing with Vimeo is like they're even having um, controversy at the moment where I saw someone did a, a tweet uh, over the weekend where they were encouraging people to download all of their videos because apparently they've just implemented um, some more stringent copyright sort of rules which would see even private videos that you've uploaded being removed from the site having your account suspended which will then mean that you're unable to have access mm -hmm. so I think that it's even for these paid services there's still um there's still that risk isn't there it's like um yeah what what's your take on that well the copyright issue is there i mean it's it, it's one thing that's caused me a couple of strikes on uh, youtube and since then i've been extremely cautious i haven't used any copyright content even from other channels snippets which would be quote fair use unquote i haven't yeah. even done that and um, I've done some agreements with friends and other people 
to use their music uh, as, and that's all agreed and for Vimeo to be following the footsteps of YouTube in coming down on copyright content violations mm. is that is the law they've pretty much yeah. got to do it anyway it's, it's expected that you, you've got the, the the question of why um, it, I emailed you earlier today and, and said I can't understand how on earth um, some creators are getting away with using so, so much copyright material is it because yeah. they're so that they're, they're so up there in the social media space and getting so many views that they're untouchable whereas the rest Casey of us Neistat? mere mortals <laughs> yeah I think, I think yeah he's th- one of them yeah and the thing too is it's um, it was either him or me because I fuck I've been <laughs> yeah, you, yeah you don't give a shit the, the, thing, <laughs> the thing is that it's I guess the concern is that things like YouTube what excites me about it is it's the democratization of media. It's allowing anyone with a camera, just, you know, like you in Horsted Canes or me in fucking Melbourne, wherever you are in the world, you can get a camera and you can uh, upload content. I guess the problem is, is when there is that cherry picking that goes on. So I think that what their, their foundation is based on... Um, you know, being open for everyone, I I think. But these steps around allowing exceptions to rules and things like that, I think that that goes against that. Well, I'll tell you one major difference between YouTube and Vimeo. If I email YouTube, I can't even email them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've actually tried writing physical letters to the chief exec. Vimeo, I send the guys an email... It may take a day or two, but I get a response back from a human being who's actually yeah. considered the email that I've written. Uh, it, the decisions may not always go in my favor. And sometimes if I know that I've got um, content which could be controversial, I'll email them in, ahead of time and say, look, this is what I'm planning on uploading. Are you guys okay with this? Yeah. And I'll get a response on that. What that would something is, be controversial, do you think? What sort of, what sort of content? Um, adult subjects and uh, e- even the discussion of adult-related subjects, like, for example, um, sex or anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd certainly check that. And, and just talking about those things, not doing doing anything. Yeah. Just talking about those subjects. And I've cleared mm-hmm. that with them before now. Yeah. And what do they say? What's the response to they that? Say, they say fine. Go for it. So do you find that it's, yeah. you're more sort of dotting your i's and crossing your t's but for the most part vimeo seems to be fairly open to this sort of stuff like they yeah what what's your take on their position around this stuff um they seem to be realistic yeah um, and and you do actually get a human being to review what you're asking um rather than youtube you put it up there and you just hope that it doesn't get taken down for whatever reason and you don't yeah. get a strike well, one of the interesting things I saw that um, YouTube has been trialing, they trialed with about 100 people, was um, a way of uh, basically self, I don't know what you call it, self-filtering, self, um, not, not self-accreditation, but basically uh, marking each video yourself. So uh, in the future, what they're looking at potentially doing is when you upload a video, it will say, do you talk about 
adult content and then you'll tick a box and tick it and then uh, it will basically um, mean that those you'll never be demonetized or things like that but the interesting as I say that one of the interesting things that you're talking about you're not even talking about demonetization I'm sure you're not like planning on making bank through YouTube um, but it is that purely whether it's going to be on you know uh, online or not well, what the the Vimeo's already got that. If I um, upload a video, I've already got a radio button that I can use to select mature. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. audiences are mature. That already exists. And um, I've never really been on social media to make money. None, none of my st- stuff is monetized, and I actually pay for um, pay for Vimeo myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not even on Patreon. Nothing. Yeah. Um, because what I get from... I'm, I'm not in this to, to get famous. Yeah. I mean, 10 years I've been on YouTube, just over 2,000 followers. <laughs> and I've switched to Vimeo, I've got 88 followers. I, I'm yeah. not a big numbers person. I've, I've made real friends, real life friends, through the social media discussions that, that have been had. And um, that's why I'm there. So I'm not even looking to make a cent. It's making connections and about yeah. the social side of things. And it's getting on the daily talk show, um, which you've you've made it. You landed here, Michelle. Michelle, do you have any questions for us? I know that we yeah. you know, we've asked you a few, but uh, maybe um, maybe you could throw us a couple. Oh, I've got a couple for you. All right. Um, oh, here we she's go. Come prepared. The, the way Michelle said it, it's <clears throat> making me nervous. But go on, Josh. Okay, what happened to the praying mantis? Well, the praying mantis. Oh, so hang on, backstory. So there's, yeah, there's a video. And the I'll, best video ever. So the video, there was a video that I, um, I filmed. Uh, I don't know. It would have been 2012, maybe 2011. Can't remember. But there was um, my cat, which her name is actually my cat, lives with my parents now. <laughs> but uh, we, uh, she found a praying mantis. And I started filming it uh, all going down and they were sort of having this war where the praying mantis was on its like back feet and uh, my cat was sort of hitting it with its uh, paws. Is it, cats have paws? Yeah. Yes. And uh, so I filmed it and it's got uh, my mum and my brother and I like in the background and we're all sort of like having this very sort of real conversation around like put it outside. No, it's fine. All that sort of thing. Anyway, I had forgotten about the video and it wasn't until uh, the end of 2017 where I was trying to work out where I wanted to put my YouTube videos because I would made a conscious effort that I was going to start doing YouTube videos again. And I saw that my Josh Jansen, like the name Josh Jansen, there was a Praying Mantis video and it had like over 50,000 views. (laughs) And so... I ended up taking it off because it wasn't really part of the aesthetic and all that sort of thing. Of it was not really it's off brand. Off brand. The really whole an, animal abuse abuse is sort of a bit off brand for me now. Um, back in 2011, <laughs> obviously a different story. But I, um, 
but then I put it back online because I wanted to get... Um, You're a numbers well, guy. You numbers just want to go- build those numbers. You're <laughs> the opposite of Michelle. Yeah, exactly. You want to get famous. And the monetization part of it was it was based on however many views you had. So I was like, oh, that was going to be a quick way to get it all happening. The praying mantis, I'm sure, died though to answer your question, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> or on the night, did you take it outside? Uh, or did you yeah, just let the yeah. fucking cat and all the shit out no, of it? I'm sure. Uh, I'm, I remember, I think the end of the video, there's a uh, there's a, a, a sandal that comes into frame and takes S- away. Stomps. Yeah. <laughs> no. I thought that was what was going to happen. But yeah, so there's the praying mantis. That's what mantis. I thought was going to happen. <laughs> no, yeah. So did I, to be honest. So the, there's my praying mantis uh, answer. So you've it's got... Good, a, good question, Michelle. Yeah, thank you. And now one for old mate Tommy. What happened to Andrew Melody? Ah, the Andrew Melody is the one I made the video about he, the um, modern day man living in a caravan. Oh, yes. Andrew's a great guy. He, um, we grew up together. So, like, he's, he, my brother, my middle brother is best friends with Andrew. And so, Andrew, I've known Andrew since I was born. And I actually bumped into him, like, three weeks ago. Turns out he lives in St Kilda, the suburb that I'm in. So I didn't even know that. And um, currently he's over in Vanuatu or he's on holiday. We're going to make another video um, about what he's doing now. He doesn't live in a caravan because he has a girlfriend and um, I'm sure it probably wouldn't go down that well, them <laughs> living out the back of this thing. But he's grown his business co-ground. Well, it's a not-for-profit. And so they're helping out... Um, We've he, been there. Go go, it's, yeah, a, yeah. It's, the co- it's like a coffee coffee van type of so thing. So they've got a coffee van um, in Melbourne on this site where they have like a market once a month and he's doing heaps of great stuff. But he's not living in the caravan if that's what you wanted to know. But he is helping shitloads more people. But than is the caravan for sale? <laughs> <laughs> and can it be shipped to Horstead Canes? Exactly. No, no, he got rid of it. Um, he put a thing out on um, Facebook actually saying... I need about 16 blokes to be able to push this caravan. Is anyone around this weekend? Get it out of this fucking backyard. So, Andrew Melody, he's good. He's a lovely guy. How much has the internet impacted your life, Michelle? How do you you sort of, uh, how do you describe it? How it's impacted my life. It's uh, given me access to information that I wouldn't have got before. Um, Previously... It, it was difficult. You'd have to go to the library or have some reference books um, around to, to get knowledge easily. And uh, it's just opened all that up. I mean, it, it has changed in that I've now got to be very cautious about anything that I that I read and not yeah. jump on things. Um, but it's, it's also put me in contact with a lot of people. Um, I, I'm able to... Um, I'm actually funding a couple of people on Patreon, and uh, it, it's it, it's allowing many people to fund one person's wages, so they can go and do something and report back. That's that's incredible to be part of that, and it's you know the fact that I'm here in the UK, you're there, <laughs> and we're able to talk at this speed. Yeah, at, at this speed internationally Mm. and it's just opened the doors and widened my thinking and you know it's it's just it's just well it's just a major change 
major mm. change. It's just rather than being uh, in a small area, it's just allowed me to just boom. Well, tell the tell and connect. You told us a story before we got started, and it's about your microphone, and it links back to the internet oh, yeah. essentially. Um, yeah. So tell us that, that, tell us about what you do with that microphone. That sounds a bit weird, but um, <laughs> it well, gets put uh, to good this use. particular microphone. Yeah, this particular microphone. There's a system called um, Vocal ID, and I was watching TED uh, TED Talks, and uh, this one one person she was on there, and she was uh, showing. Uh, what they were doing with regarding uh, creating voices for uh, people who can't speak. And uh, she was recalling going into one uh, conference and all these people were speaking to each other using synthetic voices and there were very few synthetic voices and um, one um, young uh, young girl would be using the same synthetic voice as uh, an older man. So what they do is they've got vocal ID and uh, you can donate your voice. Um, so you read loads of phrases, and uh, now they've moved to stories, so you get different intonations. And they can take, you, you give your age roughly where you are, so they, they know your accent. And they can pair that up with someone um, similar who matches, and even though they can't speak, they're able to make guttural sounds and uh, they can infuse those guttural sounds into your voice to generate a unique voice for that person. Mm, and uh, it, it, it does change their lives. Um, and uh, that's what this mic is used for. Yeah, and where does the... Every now and know, then. Not, not everyone has that in them or the, you know... No, not everyone's doing this. What 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 compels you to grab the microphone and to give back in that way? Ah, <laughs> I was um, part of a support group in the nineties, and uh, back when before the internet, uh, the support groups would work by mailing lists. Mm-hmm. So people would join the group. Um, there'd be a and you know that they'd pay a membership. And then we'd uh, compile a magazine, photocopy it, and send it out to people. And um, some of those people were um, uh, either blind, so um, so we we have we were look, starting to looking uh, to do um, audio recordings. Um, some you know various people of disabilities, and it just and you get talking to people, and it's just. You know, one of the reasons why I've done um, a, a lot of the internet stuff, I'm, damn it, <laughs> I'm pasting an awful lot of years and an awful lot of complexity into a very short, um, very short few sentences, and it's very difficult. That's all right. But, um, we can, we're going uh, just to over take, the 30 minutes, <laughs> so you can go I know, as long I'm, as you I'm, want. I'm watching, the, I'm watching the 41 minute counter on, on, on the conversation I mean, here. the email we're going to get is from Michelle saying, you, you fucked the podcast, <laughs> yeah, it went too long, so it's fine. Well, well at least, it, it, at least um, uh, what's his name, would like it, because it's gone oh, over yeah, 30 yeah, minutes. Shades. Oh, Shades. 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 You're like proud he got Mac. a shout out from Michelle. Um... I was, um, as many of your listeners will already work out, because my voice is deep, um, I'm transsexual. Uh, it's not something that I've hidden, because I'm, I've gone into the press with that. 
in the 90s I did my part um, for education but um, <clears throat> it's you, you start putting things out and that's why I started with the internet and putting the web pages out was to get information out there because no matter what it, getting information out there no matter what the subject is it changes people's lives mm. yeah and I, I i i know that my life has changed because of information that other people have put out there and gone to the trouble of mm. and it's just paying it down the line really just paying it down the line i mean yeah. it's um yeah it's a lot more complicated than that but that's yeah. none of it yeah, and so what? So did you find, you know, an, you know, answers to big life questions online? Did you did you find that being able to connect did it help you help you through that journey, or do we rely on it too much? Like, do you, you know, through the experiences that you've had, have you? Do you think that we rely too much online, and we actually should be going and speaking to psychiatrists or psychologists or? professionals where do you see the scale and in, in how the internet helps well you have a bit of a problem with the the professionals in that mm. uh, they can't tell you what to do i mean i've, I've spoken to a number of counselors over the years and uh, they can't tell you what to do they can only hold up a mirror and let you talk until the light clicks um with various things that i was facing i mean i was lucky um when i was in my teens there was a magazine uh, called One to One, and that went through all sorts and gave me education that I wouldn't have got, again, before the days of the internet. It enabled me to get a handle on things. I could actually, ah, there's this word and there's these few paragraphs explaining what this is. I mean, I, you, back in those days, you couldn't go to um, an adult or a teacher and, and, and say, you know, you'd be shut down. You know, you'd yeah. almost you'd be stigmatized. Not quite so much like that these days. Although a lot of people still keep things inside rather than seek help. Um, and I was certainly touched, um, Tommy, when you were speaking about your friends who have um, uh, who have uh, committed suicide. Mm. <clears throat> that um, I I typed I typed one hell of an email, and I didn't send it. Um, it's uh having if you don't have a handle on things you can just go off the deep end you can try and overcompensate and um i'm very lucky that i'm still here and i have all my faculties mm -hmm. um after the things that i attempted to do yeah and um the that's <sighs> the internet has sort of changed that um because we have the information that we can look up now and we have people that we can talk with and we 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 are able to talk with people who are not local <clears throat> but are willing to talk and cross the boundaries like yeah. for example in the US um if um someone is below below a certain age um then an adult cannot talk with them legally about certain subjects mm. So where do they get help? Yeah, and the internet, yeah. But also, you wind up talking with other people. One of it's taken me about thirty years to talk with various people, and I was talking with our local about the religious side 
of things. And I was mm-hmm. talking with the, the local uh, priest here, and um, that's when I finally made my decision. Yeah, I, I'm atheist, and uh, and um, uh, people help each other, mm. and that put that box to bed. And I don't think that I could have got that kind of information from um, other people because there are cultural differences. Yeah. So, you you know. And and what do you think has been the, you know, obviously there's been a lot of progress, you know, in the last 30 odd years. What, What do you think is the misconception now? Like, I think. I feel like we've come a long way, but in any of these subjects, we still have a long way to go. What what is being miss? What's missed at the moment? Do you think in the in the conversation in what we know that you know from the experiences that you've had? Um, I think what's missed in conversation is that some people aren't listening. I, I think there's a case in some cases that people are trying so hard to get their own voices heard that they don't stop enough to listen to the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and is it um, how how do you over how do you think that we can overcome that? Is it just a matter of you know asking more questions? Is it like how how do we how do we bridge the gap specifically around you know you mentioned religion. Um, you know, do you, how how do you feel like you can bridge the gaps between, you know, these subjects and what you've experienced and religion, and can they can they live in a in a world, you know, <laughs> sort of, I don't, you know, I don't even know the, the the right language, but you know, how how do they live together? How do they live in the same town? Um, people being tolerant of each other. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, there are problems when people um, of some religions or none um, try to force, uh, you know, try to force other people to work their way. Mm -hmm. Like um, certain foods, for example. That's one that's uh, that's kicked off here, and uh, and um, again, very complicated subject. Trying to bring down to very few words. I, I think tolerance, tolerance of each other, and not wanting other people to always want to do things your way. For example. Um, uh, halal food um, is uh, is put forward in the UK. Um, the the reality is, it's business behind it. Yeah. Uh, that that um, if a, if a business was to properly address everybody, and um, that in, in order they'd have to have two production lines, for example. Um, but they don't. They only want to have one production line, so they mm. produce everything one way. And um, but because nothing's labelled, nobody knows what they're eating. Yeah. Just um, one question: Do you have um, HSP packs in um, in Horsestead 
<laughs> it's a, what does it stand for? Halal snack pack. Uh, halal snack pack. Just on the topic of halal. <laughs> Have you heard it's, of those? It's, no. it's big here. Huge. No, I haven't heard of them. But, but no, I think you're right. It's like they've actually become popular. And basically what it is is a bed of chips, like hot chips, um, you know, fries, with like meat and sauce over the top. And, um, yeah. and they're, yeah, they're big. And so, so, Michelle, are you thinking that there needs to be, you know, how, how do you decide uh, what is considered mainstream? Um, <clears throat> Can you rephrase the question, please? Yeah. So, like, what is, I guess, um, you know, what is normal? You know, like if we if we're trying to, if we're trying to communicate if we're trying to uh, you know if we have things on shelves or we're trying to create audiences or customers or things like that, it's um it seems uh, in the world that we are in now it's very much about you know individual identity and you know being comfortable in you and I think part of that is that we're all really different, so. You know how you know how do you sort of comprehend that? Um, proper labeling so that people can make their decisions. Yeah, I mean at the minute uh, things are not uh, things that are um, things are going ways and people feel not empowered because they're not given the information to make their own decisions, mm-hmm. and uh, and that is a problem. Uh, that there are that there's been big problems with the denial of service um simply because you um are a certain way yeah um, for example um people who are um for example christian for example denying um service to uh, a homosexual couple mm-hmm. the, a few of those have hit the press um and gone through court um and it's there's no easy answer to any of it. Yeah. There's no easy answer to any of it. But um, well, we started talking about this because of uh, we wanted to know how the internet or has changed your life or what it's done to you. And it's like all this stuff was started to for community. Facebook was meant to be a community, YouTube a community. Yeah. But it does that. But then it goes to the extreme as well. You know, you said you've had your life changed or you've met people. Yeah. Out of your 200 followers, you've, you know, you've formed connections and all of that stuff. So it is doing what they want it to do, but it is, we don't know the depth of how far it can go yeah. yet, which well, is... It's, it's built, I think that it has, the internet, you know, is a conduit to be able to, uh, for empathy in some regards, but for empathy to happen. So this could, like this conversation that we're having we're building connection this could be equally done the other way where it's um you know not positive or people you know keyboard warriors on a social network um putting out hate so it is that the internet really is just heightening everything Mm. isn't it and it's just so happens that um there's really great things it's the equivalent of the telephone the telephone can connect you with loved ones and people all around the world it's also where the fucking telemarketers get you this is interesting (laughs) michelle i've got a friend who i was working with last week who worked for nokia 
you know, yeah. the old yeah. phone company. So, and she was mm. like in the marketing department for when they released the f- the big, huge Nokia phone that could send it. It was basically they marketed it as um, you can send faxes on your mobile phone, <laughs> and the marketing ploy to get this out there was people are going to work less. People are going to finish work at 3 p.m. because they don't have to be going into the office or going to somewhere to do a specific thing to communicate. And so that was how they sold it. You're going to work less with mobile phones now that they can send faxes from your pocket. It has gone the other the complete other direction people are working more than ever because they can well even even look at twitter right twitter was something you know when i first got onto twitter it was literally for you to send a tweet you'd send a text message and then everyone that followed you would get a text message as well right that's what three when he was on twitter (laughs) that's what twitter that's what twitter was right um and the thing was that it was all tech geeks and it was all, and you loved Twitter, and it wasn't because of the technology; it was because of the people, like like-minded people. Mm. And I think that that's even Michelle, what you're identifying with is, you know, in the '90s, you can create this group and this community, and that can actually live on any platform. Um, mm. And I guess that's the uh, that's the kicker with all this stuff is it's like it gets as soon as it goes mainstream, anything that goes gets too big or goes mainstream normally um goes to shit i mean what's your view on that michelle am i I getting am i getting too negative about it about being mainstream uh i don't think it's too negative but it's certainly a challenge that it gets too too much that uh they haven't got enough humans to make sensible judgments on things but uh, on on the work side of of stuff it's it's certainly in the in, in we in the eu there was a working directive. Uh, you, you you should only work a certain number of hours, yeah. and the UK actually won an exemption to that. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and and one MP has now decided, oh heck, uh, he he's had a heart attack, um, uh, and uh, he said, oh, I, I need to be working smarter and <laughs> not longer. And I don't know how long. There's been numerous studies over the years that if you if people work less. You get more out to to a degree. You get more out of them because they're more able to work. But if you're um, if you're a corporation, you get as much as you can and squeeze every hour out of your employees as possible. You're going to burn them out. But yeah. to the corporations, what the hey? If you can just throw them away and employ somebody else. Yeah, it's a bit of a a, a paradox, really. It's the <laughs> well, idea I'm that quitting the internet after <laughs> exactly. this conversation. Look, I how about this uh, Saturday. Uh, Bree and I went uh, went out and we decided not to bring our phones. We turned our phones off. This is big for Josh. This is huge, right? This is. <laughs> uh, I haven't been without my phone unless I'm on a plane and I'm still using it. I just don't have connection. But so I, it would have been eight a.m. and we were didn't get home till two p.m. and I couldn't believe how many different things like. I pay using my my. I didn't have my Apple Watch. I put on a like a normal watch, and so all of these things. Like we we walked into the city, and then we're like, "Oh, we'll just get an Uber back." Mm. Can't fucking book an Uber. Yeah, you're done. And it was so good. There was something so amazing about it. I I loved the experience. So I I don't know. Um, you know, Michelle, do you do you have a smartphone? Are you 
connected Josh, all they the do time. have these in exactly. horse Well, because no, well, I think Michelle's... Uh, what, what I've gathered from the way Michelle does things is you... You do things a bit differently. So you're a you're a techie, but you do it your way. You're not a conformist in the sense of you're not just sticking with YouTube or doing this, you know. And I think that having that mindset uh, means that you don't necessarily just let things in. You don't just say, oh, I'm going to use the iPhone because you've seen the impacts that things have. So, yeah, what is your, what's your phone set up? And how do you turn it off at night? What do you do? Um. Yeah, I am connected. I'm in IT and we get updates from servers and services, but I don't use Android and I don't use iPhone. Yeah. Um, You're using a what Nokia. Happened? Using a potato. No. This is an interesting one because when Nokia was working on us an operating system called Mego, mm-hmm. and uh, then Microsoft bought them and Nokia ditched Mego and ditched the staff. The staff then started up a company called Yola, yeah. and uh, Migo became Sailfish. And the interesting thing that's happening, there's a couple of things interesting happening in the space. And again, this entire podcast is bringing so many complex complex issues down to so many <laughs> small it's and daily talk show. Risk everyone, of, this is what you get. We're going to open the send your emails to height the daily talk show.com if you want to, and we'll forward them on to Michelle as well. Any uh, Our yeah. IT support, <laughs> yeah. But go, go on, but, Michelle. Um, what, pre- what pretty much happened is um, uh, they made the operating system open, and Google have got another system that they are going to replace Android with. Um, I've forgotten the name of it offhand. I was reading about it. So, and Google have been trying to take more control over the phone providers. And obviously the phone providers are kicking back against this. Um, my current phone is actually a Sony, which is unlocked. So I was able to unlock the phone with Sony's blessing Mm -hmm. and load Sailfish onto it. So, Salesfish um, is like so, an operating system, like an iOS? Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. It, it would have been Mego and would have been the next operating system-ish that Nokia would have come out with had they not been taken over by uh, Microsoft. And who's, who's developing apps for it? Like, is there, are there many apps? There's a number of apps, but it also has a Dalvik, which means that it's able to run um, Android APKs. So, okay, you can so uh, download an APK, use... load it. And run okay, it. So an APK is a uh, is just like an app, like is the app installer, is it, or what? What's the APK again? Yeah, if you go yeah. into the um, Google Play Store and select an, an app, you're downloading an APK file. Oh, interesting. I mean, you APK both lost me. All I want to know is, does your phone have Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> does yeah. it have Insta? Can you? Uh, can I you don't tweet? put Insta on it. I don't put. Uh, I, I could if I wanted, but I don't. And yeah. then that I think is one of the key key things. Um, I, I don't overload. I mean, I, I'm at the point where the phone can go beep a certain way and I leave it. I don't respond. Mm. Um, I can see stuff come up on Facebook and I can leave it. I don't respond. I respond when I wish to respond. I'm not like Pavlov's dog. The, the <laughs> phone goes and I'm instantly on it. Yeah, mm. I definitely and, feel and that's like... that's where I think... Yeah, I feel like I get like that. Hey, I wanted to know... 
um, you've listened to a, a lot of the episodes. Where are our blind spots? When you listen to us, what are we what are we missing? What do what where do, what do we need to be schooled on? Well, where I feel, um, you're you're inviting people to respond on email, yeah. and um, that 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 doesn't seem to then carry forward to the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, it's it's sort of like closure, filling the loop, and in, in involving the audience. Because unlike yeah. the the radio shows, you don't typically get people able to respond on on the phone there and then. Yeah, absolutely. But um, that there are some some extra bits and pieces, and that could just be worked in. And I feel like you might get more response if that response was fed in and if yeah, people absolutely. felt that they were being part of the show yeah. but obviously with trying to keep it to 30 minutes it's it's not an easy call to make yeah. i think that it's the and we we're speaking about this over email i think it's the the lack of structure we just have at the moment right it's like we literally if this was a radio program you know with uh, tommy and i have both worked in radio you'd have a run sheet and mm. the producer would have gone through your website and would have listed all of the your key points. So it would be your um, your subscriber numbers, uh, your most popular videos, and all that sort of thing. And then they're the talking points, and we just sort of go through them. I guess, yeah. And I think that's the way that we've been able to get uh, into deep conversation with both you and, and when Tommy and I are doing the show regularly. It's the um, it's that balance, right? It's mm. the opportunity to have the play and to the explore and to the ask the questions, but the structure that people can feel like they're let in. And that's a, a, a big part of what we want to do is make sure that like we fucking love getting it. Like I get pumped every time we get an email and to be clear, you're like, you know, you're one of the few people that do email. <laughs> like every 90% of the emails we've gotten, we've put on air. So we're not, you know, we're not the... Uh, well, the if you most... want to get onto the show, that's how you do it. Yeah, exactly. Michelle just, never asked. Yeah, exactly. We just thought, fuck, we need to... We need to respond to all these emails in one hour-long episode. Exactly. And that's this, what we've done. Maybe we do that. Maybe every 70 episodes, we get uh, everyone who's emailed us on and we just have a bit of banter. Respond to them. Um, any other thoughts, Michelle? What else is on your mind? What else is... What's the, I mean, Josh is trying to push it out. I've got to get to my office because my work experience yeah, girl is there. So. so, yeah, final thoughts. Final thoughts, Michelle. Well, you know, what, do you want to leave the, what do you want to leave the Daily Talk Show listeners with? Could be anything. Um, Could even just be your, your domain name. <laughs> no, I, I I don't push myself. I don't I don't plug myself. Um, Leave that to Tommy and I. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it up, guys. It's it's yeah, it, it's it, it's refreshing to hear things outside my experience, and uh, learning more, and even watching you guys and listening to you guys as you develop and go on things and. Live life. Oh, thanks so thanks much, Michelle. Michelle. And thank you so much for like spending the time because I know it's nearly 1 a.m. Um, Have you got work yeah, tomorrow? What? Uh, no, well, sort of. We're working on the house. Okay. Uh, it's it's a very Anything involving me is a long story. And th- that, that's the only thing that I feel is a, a, a bit of a problem here as I've, I've potentially said some very controversial things which are actually complicated issues that are... 
I've just squashed them down to a few sentences. No, I don't. Th- I think you've been pretty mindful. Up. I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry too much. You've been mindful, and um, yeah, and that's a, it's always the risk. I think that like uh, Tommy and I are always speaking about that, which is like we, you know, you 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 don't talk because you're worried that you know we're we're going to sound ignorant or we're not going to get into the depth that we want mm. to, but the reality is that. We we can only people can think about what that what they want about our thoughts and all that sort of thing, and we love being challenged. We love getting the mm. the emails because then we can address things, and we can. The thing is, if we if we talk and we put it out into the world, we can actually learn, and mm. we can. Um, I think that you know people will uh, <coughs> uh, you know have a new context with your story, and we'll be potentially seeing the internet a different way. I've been more, I've been inspired to check out that audio, you know, the, the microphone thing, and getting into that because that that sounds mm. really cool. But thanks so much, Michelle. No problem. Thank you very much. Take care awesome. of yourselves, and best of luck with future episodes. Thank you. Onwards, that was to 100. Yeah, and we'll be following you on Vimeo as well. That's it for the Daily Talk Show today. Remember, as Michelle has done many times, you can send us an email, hi, at thedailytalkshow.com and um, we'll make sure to make it a part of this show. Thanks for all the support in the last 70 episodes and if you are enjoying the podcast, a review through the iTunes app um, or the podcast app on the iPhone is appreciated. Have a good one.